Lieutenant Commander Jocko Willink once said, you must own everything in your world. There is no one else to blame. And there are very few people out there that actually accept and practice that thought process. And when I played back my interview with Colonel Todd Neto, as we met for the last time for a podcast interview, the ideology that you are the only one in control of your career and where you end up is what resonates with me the most. Great advice from a man with over 37 years in service to our country. You know, and there are a lot of valuable tidbits that we can dissect and remember from our time with working with the Colonel. And for me, it's our time spent talking about what it means to sometimes go against the grain, step out of your comfort zone, host those media days, and, and make new friends with our local media to be exact. Something I wasn't familiar with, but, but it was a necessity. And Colonel Neto pushed for that. In this interview, Colonel Neto talks about new developments within our organization, the legacy he has tried to leave behind before he leaves here, and the future of the Maine Air National Guard. I'm Master Sergeant Andy Sinclair. This is the Maniac Radio Show. Welcome home. So first and foremost, sir, I do want to say thank you for taking the time to come on here and do this. Um, it's, a, it's always a pleasure to have an 06 take time out of his day to, or her day to come in and, and talk um, with PA, which isn't, I understand, everybody's favorite thing to do. Um, but uh, well, I, do, I love it. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so what's going on, sir? How you been? Doing great. Anything big coming up? Anything? Uh, we well, I'm going to gonna retire on the 3rd of December. That's the next big date. And then you're going to come back to PA as a Title V, right? Is that? There's a moment of silence because no. The, the pause means no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's, uh, what, what's, what's next for you um, in, after retirement? What, what, well, let's talk about real quick, sir. What is your new position after you left the Vice Wing Commander position? I am the, uh, let me say that again, the Chief of Strategic Planning. And I'm assigned to JFHQ. Oh, okay. So not the Wing. Right. And what does that what does that generally entail? Well, thinking about the future of the Maine Air National Guard, and uh, one of my last assignments was to update our strat plan and strategic priorities, which uh, is now published on Air Force Connect for everyone's viewing pleasure. And what that does it enables us to uh, our commanders to get the word out to share with the airmen. Uh, take a look at that plan because all decisions at the 101st will make in the future revolve around our strategic objectives. And one of the, well, I can say there's three of them. Uh, KC-46, uh, establishing a recruiting pipeline and pursuit of an active associate wing. So the, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, sir, the, there is a difference between the strategic plan and the strategic priority? Right. The priorities are the building block of the plan, more narrowly focused, and they support the strategic plan. So a little bit of a shameless plug from the PA side of the house, um, now that we're talking about it, uh, for those who are listening, be sure to get on the Air Force Connect app and and, and check that out. It's, it's, uh, it is uh, it's a PDF, so you can download it, look at it. Um, print it out um, and put it in your house and frame it and, and read it because it is it is easy. It's an easy read um, and it's easily accessible now too, which is good. So make sure you do that. But Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I'm confident the 06s are looking at Air Force Connect. And just the other day I opened Air Force Connect to take a look at both of those documents and they're right at the bottom of that home screen, right in the middle. I think it says strategic plans. Plans. Right. Yes, sir. Yeah. 
and, and, and we put that in there, them both under the same tab. So it was e more easily accessible. Oh, perfect. So that way yeah. my aunt Karen can get in there and look at it if she wants to. Um, so r real quick, sir. So the, so this, uh, this new strategic document that you guys put together, can you kind of touch on what made that come about and what it entails? Absolutely. Any successful organization needs to have a strategic plan, which is a roadmap to the future. And about 18 months ago is when we started to develop our first strat plan. And what we did, we selected 39 individuals across the base and asked them a series of questions and eventually boil it down to three objectives. And that was that was published and it's a living document it should be reviewed on a yearly basis and i'm confident that's what colonel gillis will do and whoever the successor of colonel gillis is they will continue that tradition it's really important in all decisions going forward in this highly competitive marketplace of the air national guard the decisions need to focus around the objectives of that strat plan well, it's no secret, I, I think, at this point, too, for anyone, anyone else or anybody who is listening, that we are striving to, to, um, to gain the KC-46 mission and the Arctic mission. So this is just one more aid to help our, our members uh, uh, comprehend and understand what it is we're doing to get those goals, right, sir? Absolutely. And we've used that, the uh, STRAT plan, with our congressional delegates. We've had three visits in the last year, and we found that they're extremely productive because those delegates need to know what the goals are of the 101st Air Refueling Wing. And certainly one of the most prominent goals is defense of the homeland and in support of the national defense strategy. Real quick as well, what would the Arctic mission uh, kind of entail, like uh, generally speaking? Partnering with other other nations and geographically we're second to none we are the closest to the arctic on the east coast of course alaska certainly on the west coast and we're bookend organizations and we're actually involved with uh, involved with talks with alaska right now and developing a strategy to um, to be more involved in the arctic because with the arctic the polar ice cap melting there's more involvement from our peer adversaries, that would be Russia and China in the Arctic region. And the transport of goods through waterways that at one time were frozen and now they're quickly melting. And, uh, and Colonel Decker, just did he, he kind of recently went up to Alaska, right, for one of these meetings you spoke of? Yeah, he was uh, probably about three months ago, but uh, Colonel Decker just recently returned from a conference in Greenland and uh, trying to partner with uh, Denmark uh, and the unit out of uh, New York, this, the ski 130s, and be involved in exercises and also involved the 265th because communications in the Arctic is extremely difficult. So we, have, we will have a role in the Arctic and in the future missions. Oh, that's awesome. And it's, that's something that I think um, public affairs is kind of spoiled to at times is that we, we are in the know of where you guys go and who, what you're advocating for. And sometimes we're invited along to see it firsthand. Um, and I just, I just recently went down to a CODEL meeting with, um, with the colonels and that was quite eye opening to see, um, that side of the house. Uh, so I think PA is kind of spoiled that way, but the, the mission, the goal of, of talking about this is, is that because, you know, maybe Andy Sinclair, um, in security forces working the gate doesn't know 
maybe I don't know about it as much as say Andy Sinclair from PA does. Right. Absolutely. And you want everyone to know who will listen to this podcast, the, the role of wing and state leadership in the Maine Air National Guard is certainly one to ensure the viability of the 101st going into the future. I mean, I always said whenever anyone wanted to listen to me that my mission was to ensure that the airmen out here had a place to work for the next 20 years. And one way to make sure that would happen, or the best chance for that to happen would be certainly to pursue new missions and to get that KC-46 because those airmen today are working on an aircraft that's 60 years old and is becoming increasingly more difficult to get parts for that aircraft. Can I ask about, a little bit about the KC-46? Absolutely. What would that, uh, generally speaking, what would that kind of entail? Say, for example, if we were to gain that new mission, or, or I'm sorry, that new airframe, what would that entail as far as transitioning? Certainly re-engineering of the infrastructure of the 101st. We have to have a, larger hangars to accommodate an aircraft that has a wider wingspan, uh, mission planning, buildings. Uh, it's quite an undertaking. But NGB and A4, they will provide the some Milcon projects that we would be like top on the list. Certainly we would have assistance in the 101st transitioning into a unit that could accommodate the KC-46. Mm -hmm. Uh, that answer your question? Yes, sir. No, it does. Well, that and because that, that's kind of been at the um, in the back of my mind since all this talk about the KC forty six has been happening is like how how does that affect us? Like, obviously, it affects um, the support agencies a little bit less, like like myself versus aircrew. Like, so they're going to have to go through a whole new regimen, or how does that work? Absolutely. Yeah. And when we're awarded the KC forty six, have confidence. It's gonna. It will be an active associate wing, and we'll get eight KC-46s. So we'll have active duty here also. I would, you know, we've talked about a number. It's a. It would be a wag, but potentially like 125 or so uh, active duty folks would be assigned to the 101st. And that, and that's gonna be. Uh, so that's gonna be. That's gonna affect everybody here in a good way. Absolutely, and and looking at the numbers requires more support of uh, more airmen to support the KC-46. So we were confident that no one would lose a job. And that's good because we're, we would go from 10 PAA down to eight, but the KC-46 more complex aircraft to maintain and operate. What's the, uh, what is the next step in the agenda with, with you, with you guys? It seems like this whole thing is very structured. You go from coming out with um, strategic priorities and a strategic plan, CODA uh, meets, um, to having uh, DVs come out and, and tour what we do and see what we do. That obviously, from my perspective, has picked up quite a bit in the last couple of years, um, thanks to you guys and, and, advocate, and advocating for this new mission and new airframe. Um, but what's, what, are we allowed to talk about what is next, um, what you guys have planned in the immediate horizon? Well, uh, something we've talked about, uh, Colonel Gillis and I, and certainly he is absolutely bought in. We need Colonel Gillis on the road, spreading the word of the maniacs and sharing our strategic plan and our absolute interest in getting that KC-46 in the Arctic. Really important because, you know, we obviously have a mission home station. And actually this weekend we'll be doing a NORI, Nuclear Operational Readiness exercise and uh, 
It'll take up the whole weekend, but we're, we're good at that. But we're not really good at the future right now. We're getting a lot better. So with Colonel Gillis attending conferences and briefings and meetings and sharing our strat plan and where we see the 101st in the future, extremely important. So that's the next step is continuing to spread the word. What can we do? Not public affairs, but everybody in general. What can we do to help support all that? Recruiting retention. You know, at the at a lower level, that's what you can do. And again, anyone listening, if you got a friend that wants to join, or go find friends that you encourage them to join the Maine National Guard, because without the numbers, we are not extremely competitive for some of these new missions. We need a manning level of it in excess of 95%. And right now we're like 92.7. So we gotta keep trying to get new recruits and to slow the loss of airmen. I mean, obviously people will retire, like myself. You know, after 37 years, it's eventually time that you have to retire. But we don't want people leaving, you know, after 10 or 15 years, and even after 20, if they're still a really important member of the Maine Air National Guard, why, why not stay and, and, help, and help the wing, help the future, be a mentor to some of these young airmen? I think that, um, I, I think that one, and again, from my perspective um, and, and in my opinion, I think that uh, from our observation that one of the biggest downfalls that we see or that I see on, on a normal basis are those... Um, senior level, mostly NCOs, senior NCOs that are, that have been here for quite a while that aren't passing that information on that they've learned say after 37 years, um, to, to the lower, uh, to the junior enlisted ranks. And in turn, you know, and you know, as well as I do, having been prior enlisted in turn, um, as an airman, that's important. And it kind of shows, uh, it shows that your leadership or your NCYC or your superintendent or whoever cares about you and that, and that it cares about your future. So I think that the turn, the, the, the turn of the tide over the last couple of years um, and that you guys have been looking out for our future and thinking about our future and not just about, hey, what do we need to do for the next exercise or what do we need to do for this next RCP or whatever? That means a lot, right, um, and, right. I, and I think that I don't know if you, I don't know if, what kind of feedback you guys are getting on that, but I think that that's people notice that. At the uh, 06 level, we uh, we often talk about, or there was probably a famous book written about leadership by walking around, which is ties in the Colonel Gillis's walk with the commander. You know, I was able to participate in one. I think he was gone to uh, a conference and. What a great experience, because if, as a leader, if you're going to wait for people to come and see you and ask questions, you're not going to share a lot of wisdom. You need to get out there and talk, talk to your people, talk to the airmen, share the future. And Colonel Gillis recently, down at the hangar, did call it a town, town hall event, and we probably had 400 airmen out there. And what? What a better, there's, no other, there's not a better way to share the message because it, it's not filtered by anyone. It's coming right from the horse's mouth, right from the boss. So we talked about we need to do more of those because, you know, how do you know, how do you know the future if 
the boss never says anything to you? Or how do you, where are the maniacs going? He'll tell you, like in a town office or walk, walk with a commander. So, so the airmen out there who are listening to this, when, when you see there's going to be a walk with a commander, come on up to 505 and ask the boss all kinds of difficult questions because mm. he's really good at it. Mm. He's good at answering difficult <laughs> questions. <laughs> And not only that, right, but also encourage your, your airmen and your coworkers to do the same. Absolutely. To come up, you know, because maybe, maybe um, master sergeant or senior master sergeant so-and-so doesn't want to, uh, you know, whatever. Um, but that doesn't mean that your airmen don't want to. Absolutely. A couple events I've been on with some of the other folks across the base, and I just arbitrarily will ask them, so what do you know about the KC-46? And surprisingly enough, I got a response, I don't know much. And I said, you know what, it's, it's part of your responsibility as an airman to ask your boss, your commander, tell me what's going on with the KC-46. I mean, we obviously know this is, we're focused on the 46 and obviously the Arctic. So as an airman, why not ask your boss, what, where are we? Is it looking good? Is it promising? Mm-hmm. Am I going to have an opportunity to participate in an exercise in the Arctic? I know from my perspective, a guy who likes to travel, I'd be extremely interested. Why so not? go out there and ask your boss. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to ask tough questions. Mm-hmm. Because as a commander, you should be able to easily field tough questions. Right. It's part of his... Uh, part of your job. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go, guys. You heard it from Colonel Neto, uh, Colonel Neto himself. That go, go do that. It's probably. Can we? Is it safe to say that's a charge? Could you charge? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I only have a few days left, mm-hmm. and I hope when I leave, you guys all remember that I told you to go ask your commander tough questions, mm-hmm. and and that'll help him or her mm-hmm. be a better commander. And and it, and it also instills confidence in you as a young airman. You know, I you know. Talking to to colonels and generals, it's not easy for anybody to no. send to, or chiefs or whoever. So, but the more you do it, um, keeping respect and professionalism in yeah. mind at all times. Absolutely, Andy. And yesterday I had a conversation with a former commander, and and they were going to have an opportunity to have a tough conversation with a senior officer. And I said, always lead with with the greatest of respect, and that's your opening with the greatest of respect. You should be able to say what you need to say to get your message across. You know, in a respectful way, of course. That's why you say, in, with the greatest of respect. Difficult, a challenge every day. And if you, if you come off, you know, harsh and abrupt, whether it's with your spouse or a friend or a sibling or, your, or a coworker or a boss or a subordinate, um, as long as respect is there, it's gonna be taken the right way. Absolutely. Um, but what, uh, so w- what else with the strategic plan, uh, other than the Arctic and the, uh, pursuit of the KC-46 is, uh, is involved with that, sir? Well, as I mentioned earlier, recruiting pipeline is one of the objectives. So as airmen out there, again, get out and talk to your friends. If someone's on the fence about joining the main air national guard, bring them in, you know, they can go on a tour, they can. You know, if they have an interest in calm or maintenance or ops or the clinic, just give them an opportunity to see what we do because we, we don't want to be the best kept secret in Bangor anymore. We want to be the most recognized and uh, people need to be vocal about it. Absolutely. A great place to work. And, 
I mean, where can you go to work as a dual status guardsman and get free in-state tuition, uh, reduced medical costs, a retirement? Great place. I mean, that's what that's what drew me in. I mean, it was we didn't have tuition wasn't covered back when I joined August third of nineteen ninety one, but I knew about medical and retirement, and that was really important to me because at the time I didn't really have a good job. I was putting in satellite dishes in Winslow, Maine, and there was no retirement and there's no medical. So I needed to do something to help take care of my family. Mm, that's what makes sense. And it's probably one of the best decisions you've ever made, right? Absolutely. I would not want to do anything else in life. What, um, can we talk a little bit about that as well? Kind of the legacy that you're, you're leaving behind. You are, like, and you're not even a short timer, like you're an extreme short timer, like you're almost out, gone. You won't be with us anymore, which is very unfortunate, um, but very exciting for you guys in your next chapter in life. Uh, what uh, what has been kind of your your biggest takeaway in the vast experience you've had since you've been out uh, in uniform? What has been your kind of like your one thing you think about? Well, ever since I was a, a little kid, I always wanted to be in the military and love wearing the uniform. Maybe I wear it too much. But I love it. And something I'll probably say, my farewell speech at my retirement will be, you know, I've been on a lot of good teams. And, and I've said this, Andy, you probably heard me say it. I mean, I don't ever think I was like a rock star in any of my teams, but I always tried to do the, the best I could with a positive attitude. And, you know, be an effective leader, it doesn't even have to be in the military. You need to have a positive attitude, and figure in where do you f- figure where do you fit in on a team. You know, not everyone is going to have the same skill set, but you know, I, I guess for me, what made me successful was was that attitude, and I tried hard. And oftentimes, I'll say, you know, it's, what's important is you come to work, come to work, and try hard. And you'll be respected for that. And that makes, and that would make you a successful leader. What advice would you give to um, the entry-level airmen that are just now coming in that are going to be not only a part of the next realm or regime of what the Maniac mission will be, but probably the next one after that and the next one after that? Uh, is there any kind of words of wisdom that you'd like to give them? Try hard and have a positive attitude. <laughs> that's it. short and sweet. There it is. That's the bluff. Keep that. Yeah, that that's kind of your coin term, isn't it? The yeah. <laughs> bottom line up front. I remember I had, I'd asked Joe Bousquet, Senior Master Sergeant Bousquet, what what is what is this what does bluff mean? I don't under you know, and so many acronyms I can't keep up. And he's like, Oh, that's that's Colonel Netto saying. <laughs> bottom line and up front. <laughs> well, I don't think I coined it, <laughs> but I probably overused it. Yeah. And it's, it's really important, you know, the bluff. It, it helps you collect your thoughts and be precise because in today's world, we don't have a lot of time to read novels of a, an email that is equivalent of a novel mm-hmm. because you probably get two or three lines. And like, that's why the bluff's important mm-hmm. right up front. You just kind of drone out. Get right to it. Especially if you're getting the same ones from the same emails reciprocated from four different people. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what else would you like to add, sir? What else would you like to talk about? Well, uh, 
as I mentioned earlier this week, we got the nori. Uh, and that's going to get us ready for that nori in August of 23. Uh, also, I want to put a plug in for my my successor, Colonel David Pratt. Uh, super smart guy. He's going to do a really good job as, as the vice. And I hope that he will be doing the next podcast. Well, uh, we'll have to hold him to it. I'll say Colonel Neto. Colonel Neto already already signed you up for it so um andy sinclair didn't uh, colonel netto did and then um, when i see when i see i'm gonna say andy signed you up for it <laughs> <laughs> that's how it works it's yeah a, it's a very house of cards this way to do it yeah uh so with the nori sir what is this um for those of who who don't know what would be what's kind of the what's kind of the bluff behind the nori generating aircraft to support a higher command in support of our uh, national defense strategy and defense of the homeland and it's a nuclear exercise we'll also have an mst exercise that's uh, incorporated into it the mission support team and approximately a hundred airmen will participate in that and their mission is to deploy to an undisclosed location to support the mission mm. And, uh, and, that, and, and all of that is in regards to readiness, right? So to make sure, in case this ever were to happen. It's kind of neat watching a nori, nori exercise inspection. If you're not intimately involved and you can just step back and there's a lot of moving parts. And I know ops, they, this is their bread and butter. It's showtime for them. You know, there's a lot involved, testing, briefings, response, uh, very complex. They almost have to have a decoder ring. One of them, one of them has to have a decoder ring because. Uh, but that's that's that is again, as I said, thirty seconds ago, their mm. bread and butter. Mm. Is that is that not to get too far off topic? Decoder is that a uh, Ovaltine reference from back? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. From, uh, I didn't have one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I, I, was, I think it was before my, I, you know, the Christmas story, the, yeah. the movie. Um, he he has a decoder ring and he tunes in the radio every day. And well, so that movie, yeah, that movie came out in 1983. And it, Christmas. Uh, Christmas story. 1983. It did, but it takes place in the 40s. Okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah so because yeah. I joined, I joined the Air Force in 19 or it was July. 12th 1982 i swore oh really yeah 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 so 37 years later 37 years and two months ish it's more than 37 that may be pushing three months what other words of wisdom do you have i'm sure people who listen to this may have heard me talk about the imr and it's great that we're we're in the green now like 81.2 percent again another metric that is extremely important as we pursue the KC-46 and the Arctic and active associate wing. Really important. So, airmen out there, if you got a medical appointment, make sure you show up. And listen to your med POCs and your commanders because that IMR is really important. Another, another really important topic for me is PME. Get it done. Get your PME done so you're not in a situation where you could have got promoted if you had got it done. And as a senior NCO, make sure you get your CCAF done or your 
bachelor's degree or master's degree. I mean, just don't be a woulda, coulda, shoulda airman. Just do the requirements that will enable you to get promoted and to be a future leader in the Maine Air National Guard and the 101st Air Refueling Wing. And it sets a good example for your... Absolutely, absolutely. You know, there, if you're a lieutenant colonel out there, you need to be doing your war college. If you're a major out there, you need to be doing ACSC. If you're a tech sergeant, you need to be doing NCO Academy. If you're a master, you better be doing senior NCO Academy. All really important because you are the future. And for you to be a leader in this organization, one thing you can control is PME. Um, and it, that was great. And maybe not, uh, maybe not be wait, not wait to be told to do it. Absolutely, don't show up in the red. You yeah, know. you know, if, if uh, going back through my history, I was never told to do anything. And I've been in meetings where discussions were, well, maybe we should tell them. And I said, uh, no one told me. You know, if you're serious about being a leader in this organization, you shouldn't be told to do anything. You shouldn't be told you need to go on a deployment, do your PME. You just take it upon yourself. Do some research. This is it's an open book test every single day here at the 101st Air Refueling Wing. And you're constantly being, uh, you're constantly being challenged, constantly. Yeah, and it's, it's a lifelong audition because a good leader will, looking at their airmen, you know, everyone should be given the same opportunity if they want the same opportunity. But you should you should have a good feel like who are the potential future leaders in in my organization. No pre-selection, but give people an opportunity who want that opportunity and you shouldn't have to coax them into it. So what about ownership? Like if you uh, uh, as a leader, um, and for someone who has been as lead, leading as long as you have been in that leadership role, how important is it that you own both good and not necessarily bad, but mistakes that you may or may not make? Yeah, well, my philosophy is <clears throat> if I was involved in doing something good, I'm going to try my best to share that, to deflect the praise, because there's, been other, there's obviously other people involved in your success. When it doesn't go well, you own it, absolutely. And you, you, you stand, up, stand up in front of a crowd and say, you know what? As a leader, you're making decisions all day long. And the more decisions that you make, the greater, greater the odds are that you're going to make a mistake. But you, you cannot be stuck in the quagmire. As leaders, you make decisions based on the counsel of your your subordinates, your junior officers, your senior NCOs, but there are times when you're not going to be afforded the time to do that. So you go on your on your corporate experience and try and make the best decision for the for the organization. And sometimes you miss the mark. I've said many times, I know I've missed the mark. I hope I didn't hurt someone. You know, don't hurt someone obviously physically, mentally organizationally stuff you think about because you want you want to encourage your your successor to maybe take chances make decisions put them out of their comfort zone a little bit 
But, you know, if it's well thought out, and obviously, as I said a couple minutes ago, if you have the time and you can ask for feedback from your subordinates, but there are times when you don't have that opportunity and just one more time go on your corporate experience. That makes sense. Um, there's a guy that uh, I follow quite often. He's a, uh, he was enlisted um, and he was a Navy SEAL and he, and he, uh, I think he had 20, 21 years. David Goggins is his name. This guy is like the, the epitome of what you would think discipline is. I mean, this guy runs every single day and he's doing ultra marathons and he's just, he's a freak of nature. But um, one of his popular sayings is conquer your inner demons. And, and what he means by that isn't just about like coming face to face with trauma or anything like that. It's more about um, find what makes you uncomfortable and, and hit it head on and, and be uncomfortable because as soon as you become comfortable, um, you're complacent and you're not progressing and, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, challenging yourself. And what's, uh, what's interesting about this, this Navy SEAL, sir, is that, um, you know, conquering those, those inner demons and being, and being someone who hits, hits those challenges head on, you can always tell, and again, speaking from experience of somebody who's been enlisted my entire career, um, you can tell the difference between leaders that are, um, that believe in what they're talking about and actually follow through with their actions. And really the best way to explain that is leading by example. And then others who are just kind of going with the flow and maybe reading a pamphlet or an airman's manual that tells them what to do or listening to the, the boss above them that's asking them to do something. Um, and I, I hate to say it, but the former is definitely more rare than the latter. Right. Andy, when I went from uh, being the mission support group commander to vice, I, I left command and because the vice, as you know, is not a commander. And I realized that my role, my new role would be advisor and influencer to not only the wing commander, but the 101st Air Refueling Wing and the main Air National Guard. And most recently, I was talking about KC-46 and the Arctic and our recruiting pipeline and active associate wing to another 06 and and he said you know when you say it we believe it absolutely because you believe in what you're saying and that was my oh that's my role i mean how can i sell something or how can i advise or influence people if i don't believe it so everything that i've said or over the last few years or in different jobs and I've always believed what I've what I've I will say preached uh, because you need to be convincing you know as a as a leader in an organization part of that mission is to get others to follow so how do you get others to follow you absolutely have to believe in what you're telling them so good stuff you, as a you know uh, tidbit out there for future leaders you know, believe what you're telling your airmen. Well, I think that at your level too, that means that means um, that that type of um, philosophy and demeanor means a lot. Like to to because you have so many people that are um, looking to you for guidance or looking to you for uh, mentorship or direction. When they see that you, you know, that Colonel Neto is is sold on the idea that this that this is what our mission needs to be, um, we tend to to hone in on it more um, and and say. 
he actually he actually wants to do this. He actually does care about what we're going to be in 20 years from now um, because he's, he, you know, no, no disrespect, but you're not going to be a part of it. You won't be here. So what's it, what is in it, what's in it for you? And it's just, it's that you genuinely care about the people that are, that you're working with now to see that they're okay. Right. Then. Carl Gillis and I had some all great conversations, a couple funnies that, you know, I would use sometimes when we felt someone had not bought in to the plan. We say that person needs to drink some of our corporate Kool-Aid. You have to believe because how are you going to make your people believe? Easy. You have to believe yourself. And there, another funny that we had was I was always working on a 30-day notice, pushing the envelope. Because when we first started engaging with Codel, that was territory that was really not walked upon, I guess you could say. So we were pushing the envelope because you... You can't solicit help from the congressional delegates. They have to, they have to ask for you to meet with them. So, yeah, maybe we we push the envelope a little bit. But other states were doing the same thing, and we were convinced because in our, our first meeting with them, December, I think December seventh of of last year, there was another state waiting to meet with their representative in Washington State. So we, we convinced ourselves that this was the way of the future because we needed help from CODEL because of their secretary of the Air Force could testify in front of the Senate Arms Committee or, or a uh, committee in the House of Representatives. You don't know. And then if we helped influence and advise our congressional delegate, shared our plan, we felt that it would definitely help the future of the 101st Air Refueling Wing and the main Air National Guard. Mm, absolutely. And again, that kind of ties back in with what you were saying earlier about causing yourself to be in a situation where you're uncomfortable to adapt and overcome. Same idea. So I, in my mind, I think of pushing the envelope as being uncomfortable and being in that uncomfortable position where you have to do what it takes. You're not breaking any laws. You're not hurting, any, hurting anybody type of thing. And I think that's, um, that's something, like you said, that we've never done before, and it's pretty cool to see. Right. You know, going back to the KC-46 competition, I think there's 17 units out there competing for the KC-46, and only two units are going to get them, get the KC-46. And the units that are ultra-conservative or that are not pushing the envelope, that are not trying really hard, they're probably not going to be competitive. So, like, our, our mission was to make ourselves competitive and to focus on our our assets and one of them certainly people to our geographic location it means second to none and that's why we're also focusing on the arctic right because that kc-46 is is the platform of choice for the arctic and some of these partner countries for example sweden has saab aircraft that cannot be refueled by our our aircraft it has to have a soft boom and we don't have that capability. So KC-46, extremely important, and it makes us more marketable as we partner with some of our NATO allies. When history is written, they will probably say about me that I encourage people to move, and 
I was involved in the movement of people. And as you just said, Andy, because I could see that people were comfortable in their jobs. As commanders, maybe you're in there three, four, five years, and things are going really well for you. But the way I saw it, your people had you figured out at that point. And when you get comfortable, it's time to move. I had 13 jobs. I don't think I was ever comfortable. The job I was in the longest was maintenance squadron commander, almost five years, and I knew it was time to go. So I accepted a job opportunity that may not have been my absolute number one. And I knew that it would challenge me. And, but I also knew it would help me become a better leader. And I deployed three times to the AOR, twice to Afghanistan, once to Iraq. And I did jobs that I was not an expert at. And I was challenged. But I always knew, like, I'm going to have an opportunity to figure this out. And it would make me a better leader in the future. Because I was asked one time by a senior officer a long time ago, he said, Todd, why are you doing this? Why, why do you want to deploy? Because I, I want to challenge myself. I want to be a better airman. I want to be a better officer. I want to be a better leader. So I felt that was the best way for me to hone my skills, to go out, accept the challenge, make myself uncomfortable, and persevere. And that's one of the best things about being a part of this organization is that even if you feel like you're in over your head or you're in that un uncomfortable spot, uh, you're never you're never alone. Like you have you, your your teammates are, are are there to help you out. And if you have a mentor, or you have um, uh, support. Uh, if you have uh, uh, coworkers that are going through a similar situation, that's kind of the that's kind of the, the the nice part about being in those situations is that you 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 will make it through. You're never expected to to do something on your own. No one is a lone wolf. Oh, absolutely. And as I said a little bit ago, I mean, I've been on a lot of good teams and some, some of my teams, I had an opportunity to help build my team. And cause I realized what my areas of opportunity were. And so I had teammates who could cover like where I was not like, a, wasn't my strong suit and teammates are critical, you know, and just fostering a good environment, and having a positive attitude, you're going to have a great team. Is there, is there anything you'd like to add, sir? Well, I'd like to thank everyone, the 101st Air Refueling Wing, the Maine Air National Guard, um, for, you know, for your service. For you, some of you have been part of, my, part of my teams, and I've been on your teams, and thank you. Thanks for allowing me to serve our country for more than 37 years. Thank you for serving our country for more than 37 years. We, we appreciate all the, the guidance and mentorship you've given us. And even if we've never had the pleasure of working for you or with you, um, your, um, your leadership and, and philosophies have definitely impacted everybody in some way, shape or form. Um, and uh, I don't think it doesn't go unnoticed because it does. So thank you, sir. All right. Thanks, appreciate Andy. It. Yeah. Thanks again to the Colonel for taking the time to come on and talk shop. 
We truly will miss you and don't hesitate to check back in every so often once you gain that precious R-E-T to your title. We thank you for what you've done for your country. Godspeed, sir. So if you haven't heard by now and you've been living under a rock, this weekend is a big one. Remember, mission first, safety always. If you see something that may be unsafe, don't hesitate to call it out. We're no good to this world if we're laying in a bed somewhere with a broken leg, watching reruns of Will and Grace. Keep an eye out for each other. Make the most of it. Train like you fight, fight like you train. Remember the OODA loop when things start to get stressful. OODA stands for observe, orient, decide, and act. Look around, take in your surroundings, take a breath, figure out the situation, decide where you need to be, and act on that decision. Let's go kill it. Check us out on social media, IG, FB, iTunes, Spotify. Check out the recruiters pages as well. Share their content. Tell a friend. Thanksgiving is coming up. Share your experiences you've had in uniform with your loved ones and family. Let them decide on how becoming a maniac can fit into their lifestyle. Questions or concerns? Drop us a message. You know where to find us. And last but not least, today's episode was sponsored by no one. We don't have sponsors. We are organic here. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. So long.